So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all wanna create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we wanna do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I have today Steve Harney, founder of KCM. I was digging through my podcasts and YouTube just this morning. It has been since 2019 since this guy and I have shared the stage or had an opportunity to really chat like this. Yes, maybe for a second or two during the pandemic, but usually that was David Childers and I. So, Steve, it is an absolute pleasure. And as uh, as John Wick recently said, yeah, I'm back. It's good to have you back, Steve Harney. Uh, it's good to be back. And it's an honor to be on the podcast, Tom. You've done phenomenal work for the industry. And just to be a little piece of that, your little morsel to that, all your hard work uh, is an honor to me. Truly an honor. Well, I appreciate that. I don't think you need an introduction. So uh, instead, let's just go right at it, Steve. I wrote down about seven or eight topics um, Really thinking about, you know, the almost 81 events I've done so far this year in the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and Australia now. And, and, and the, I'm just going to hit you with sort of the emotional sentiment, the questions, the things that are on the minds of people that I'm talking to every day all over the world. Um, so I'm going to go right to the first one, and that is the micro and macro housing market. There is just a lot of confusion, and we'll unpack a whole bunch of things inside there, but just just give me high level, like, how's the market, Steve? Micro and macro, how's the market? Well, it's all according to who you want to listen to. If you want to listen to the newspapers and the headlines, well, you know, it's Armageddon. If you want to look at the facts, you know, things are not as bad. I'll give you one quick example of that. The existing home sales report came out, the last one that came out, showed that, you know, prices were down 0.9% and, and that's after 0.2% uh, led the previous month. And, and I'm like, first of all, it's median prices. And we should get into that, the definition yeah. of median price so they understand that. That should definitely be something we cover here. But forget about that. So all the news was, well, prices are down, prices are down. Well, let's dig a little deeper into the facts. Prices, the, there are four regions that NAR covers. Prices were up in the Northeast. Yeah. Prices were up in the South. Prices were up in the Midwest. That's three of the four. And in the West, yeah, they took a beating. Okay. Now, if we take a look at that and we say, all right, you know, is that a housing issue or is that a local economy issue? Because at the same time, places like San Francisco and Seattle and Portland, well, what is their business? Their business is tech. And, you know, we did the study. We did the stats on this. There were more layoffs in the fourth quarter of 2022 than the first three quarters in the tech industry. Yeah. And there were more layoffs in the first quarter of this year than all of last year. So, of course, San Francisco and, and, and Seattle and those and people say, well, Steve, it's not just the West Coast. What about Austin? All right, let's talk about Austin. What has Austin been known for for the last 10 years? The tech capital. Yeah. They're the San Francisco of the Texas. So I think that some of this has been like, it's an easy narrative to say prices are falling. They're not. Every single price index, that's a repeat sale index, 
Case Schiller, FHFA, Black Knight, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And I could go through that. I think there's nine of them. Every one of them say prices are now going up. So like, like the Armageddon that was in the paper last year, the headlines that were in the paper last year, that, oh, my God, the um, what winds up taking place is we're going to have this 20 25% drop in prices. Well, that scared the living daylights out of people. But it didn't happen. And, and, and like it's, it's going to be like 2008. It took us almost six years for that correction to uh, finally work its way through. Six years yes. back then. Yes. This is going to take about six months. This might already be over. So I want to say this right now, Steve, for my friend listening in the comments, whether you're on YouTube, Instagram, wherever you find yourself on my podcast, I want you to answer two questions for me in the comments. So listen up. I want to know first and foremost, uh, are home prices up in your market? Yes or no? Put it in the comments. And in the same comment, I also want to know, are you experiencing multiple offers right in your marketplace? right? Just answer those two questions, put them in the comments. I can't wait to see what you guys have to say. So Steve, I think what we're, what you're saying here, at least the, the phrase that I always write down when I look at national versus local, when I look at, you know, the, the clickbait headlines that capture one point is I always try and find the correlation and inside the correlation, there's the story, right? To educate, to be the, to, you know, to be the knowledge broker. So the correlation I'm hearing is, if you're looking at the the marketplaces that are dominated predominantly by tech, right? They laid people off in the fourth quarter and the first quarter. And whether you're looking at Austin, Texas, which by the way, had what a, in a 30 year period, something like a 900% increase in home valuations, more than 30% higher than the rest of the country. So if they give a few shekels back, right? For a short period of time, it's probably okay. But even looking at the Austin market now, talking to my clients here, they're like, it's back off to the races again. It's back off to the races. But staying in that local tone, what do you say to the person that's in Los Angeles, right? Who's feeling the crunch, especially when you look at ULA, right? And I'd love to get your insight on that. I was looking at the numbers I, I reported recently on Twitter that in the month of March, there was 128 closings north of 5 million. Now remember that's residential, commercial. It doesn't make a difference. It's anything real estate. They added a new tax. And in April, there was like two or three. They went from everybody trying to close before April 1st with that new tax. What do you say to that agent? I've got so many of my friends in, in Southern California are dealing with these tax issues. What do you say to them? Well, what we have to realize, in, in, in a, in a, it's going to almost sound like a two-sided coin, two-headed coin here. Um, it costs you to live in California. Like, and in I think that the majority of Californians understand that. Like, so the bad news is that you have that. And, and the reason you, you hit it on the head already, the reason there was so many before and, and so few after is everybody pushed it up. Right. It wasn't like, you know, you know, well, now it's going to die off and it's only going to be two for the rest of our lives. It's just that at that moment in time, people said, well, I don't want to pay the tax. So let me do it before the tax date, before the, the, the date of the tax. But if you live in, in anywhere in California, you have a decision to make. You're going to pay more money in taxes and things like that. And you're probably, and I don't mean to insult the rest of the country because I don't live in California. Yeah. You probably have the best lifestyle in the world. But you, So it, it's both sides. There will be people that are willing to pay that extra money yep. and deal with that and say, all right, fine, uh, because I'm going to have sunshine 
you know, 365 days a year or 362 days a year. This year, maybe it's down to 355 days a year because you had a little bit more rain out that way. Yeah. But the, uh, and they'll pay that. Now, what we're seeing is, like how this all works out, when the pandemic came and people were saying, listen, California's crazy anyway, I got to get out. They went to Boise, Idaho. And those same people that left California, you know, turned and many went to Texas, like a very prominent speaker right now. And the, um, uh, they went to Boise, Idaho. And the first time they saw the snow, they said, what is this? Right. What, what do you mean? It's not 78 degrees. Wait, wait a second. Wait, wait, where's the sun? Yep. All right. And then, you know, like Boise, Idaho, it took a little bit of a beating because everybody ran there thinking that was like, you know, Nirvana. And then when the snow came or the, the, or, or the cold weather came, if you were originally from San Diego, you're saying, what am I doing here? Uh, but I do think that there, there has been, if we look at the migration patterns, there has been a migration out of California because some people are just sick and tired and fed up with some of the, the, the taxes there. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is you're right. You're going to pay extra taxes. And, but that's all going to settle out because in the long run, what's going to wind up taking place is they're going to say, but I live in California. You know, you know, and well, I would just, yeah, I would just make a comment, you know, just, you know, maybe being close to it. And, you know, you're exactly right. Like I used to say all the time when I was living in Newport beach, uh, when people are like, oh my God, the taxes there. And I'd say, yeah, I pay weather tax, right? Yeah. Rain, <laughs> rain 22 days last year. Um, but this is what I would tell all my friends that are listening in the high end. Look to our friends in the Northeast that when interest rates went to seven, Steve, there was a lot of people that said no one in their right mind is going to buy a house. And, you know, whether they're sitting today at 6.3 or if you buy down the rates and there's all the reality is population and cycles, population and cycles, population growth continues to happen. So people are always going to need a place to stay and it cycles. So I say to all my friends in the on the West Coast in these higher end marketplaces. OK, so it's a little slow right now. Tragically, it was also slow because of the emotional mindset, the sentiment, the zeitgeist post 9-11. And then the market roared within four to six months, depending upon where you were in the country. And when I tell my friends in LA that are dealing with this stuff, my friends in Queens or New York City that have these exorbitant taxes, I just remind them, you still live in one of the greatest places on the planet. People are still going to buy there. So it slows down for 30 to 45 days. Maybe it's 60 days. Then it always picks up because it always does because of population and cycles. It's sticker shock. And like you were just mentioning the market rates, the market rates is sticker shock. You know, my wife does all the shopping. That's not because like, you know, we have a, you know, like an old school man, woman relationship. Just she does a better job of shopping than I do. So she does the shopping. And one day she was sick and I said, well, I got to go do the shopping. So I went down and I turned around and I looked at the pro a loaf of bread. I said, I'm not going to pay that much money for a loaf of bread. This is absolutely, because the last time I looked at a loaf of bread was years ago. Yeah, I said, I'm not four, paying. Four cents. And I walked out yeah. without the bread. When I got yeah. home, I said, I really want a sandwich. And I got back in the car and I went down and got a loaf of bread. So the sticker shock will stop us, but then we have to realize we have to get on with our lives. Because I really wanted a sandwich badly. Right. All right. And people say, well, that's a loaf of bread. It's not, let's look at cars. Right. How many times does somebody who haven't bought a car in four or five years, they walk into a car dealership, they look at the sticker price and they go, I ain't paying that for a car. These people are nuts. But then when they start walking out, they say, but I can't walk to work. Yeah. I still have to do it. So do I think that the, the, the and I'll argue that it's not really mortgage rates. That's not really the big challenge right now, but the, the, the big challenge is listings, but with mortgage rates, you know, there are people, if, if, if I realized after 20 years that I married the wrong person and we're at each other's throat, 
I'm not going to stay in the same house because I have a three and a half percent interest rate. I'm not going to do that. Right. If, right. if I was a young millennial it, 10 years ago, I bought a, a condo and a mixed use building because of a walkability score. I could walk right across the street to Whole Foods. I could walk down the block to a nice little bistro. Well, now instead, if I just found out that, you know, as a couple, we're pregnant with twins, that 500 square foot condo over with, with a walkability score all of a sudden becomes not important and the mortgage rate becomes unimportant. Right. Because the children are more important than saving a couple of dollars. So that's the case. And to be frank with you, I think the mortgage rates affected more the listing side of it. And I'll, and I'll share some stats with you, which are like kind of crazy. But I people say, well, it's the, the mortgage rate. There was a fear put into this nation last fall by to all sorts of media saying prices are going to fall 20, 25 percent. We start calling that at KCM very early, saying this is baloney. Yeah. Okay, this is not true. There's no evidence. Well, there's going to be a flood of listings, foreclosures coming in the market. No, there's not. No. All right. Well, you know, everyone's going to try to sell their house. They have a three and a half percent mortgage. There's not going to be a flood of listings coming to the market. So they were wrong, but the fear was in there, and we have actually quantified the amount of fear. The Fannie Mae does a consumer. Uh, confidence index. And one of the questions they ask is, do you think prices are going to go up or down this year? So I looked at the last, well, I looked at December since they've taken that survey, which is more than a decade. Every year in December, that number goes somewhere between 11 and like 16% coming into the new year. Last year was this past December, it was 37%. Right. More than double any other year outside of the year before because it was ticking up a little bit. That fear that was in people caused them to go to the sideline. Now, I'll give you another stat. That's really amazing. How do we overcome that fear? Well, we don't have access to CNN. We don't have access to say we're going to put the cover on the you know front page of the Wall Street Journal that had a, had a story the other day that was like I attacked. Like, this is ridiculous. But what we do have is we have individual conversations with people. And you're pushing people out to have more and more of those conversations. Well, let me give you a stat from a friend of ours. Mark Davidson and his group, Thousand Watt, just did a, a survey. And they asked homeowners who were thinking about selling in the next six months, like, did you talk to a realtor yet? And those who did talk to a realtor, they asked them a simple question. By talking to a realtor, did it make it more likely you were going to sell your home? 64.5%. Two out of three said, by talking to a realtor, they were more likely to put their house on the market. So wait a second. There's a fear in the market, but if an agent sits in front of the homeowner, most of that fear goes away. So now why do we have to be like, why are we doing this market? Why are we doing this market? This is what you do. When you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is you call 10 people. Just 10 people you know. Go to your contact. Just call them and say, hey, listen, I just want to let you know the market is a little better than people are saying it is. And every day religiously do that. Now, I know you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you do all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm not suggesting call people at 4 o'clock in the morning if you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. But when you start your workday, that should be the first thing so 100%. you don't forget to do it. Yep. All right? You're telling people, geofarming, call people. That's exactly what we have to do now. And if I could take another second talk. Back in 2008, we didn't know what to do because we didn't live through 1929. We didn't live through the whole world economy collapse. 
We needed a new playbook there. In 2020, unless you lived through the 1918, you know, pandemic in San Francisco, you didn't know what to do. You need a new playbook. And thank God you titled your playbook, the new playbook, Pivot. And you did a phenomenal job of helping the industry get through a very challenging time. Well, what we're in now, we don't need a new playbook. This is well, higher interest rates. Yeah, that's called a real estate cycle. Yes. So we don't need a new playbook. Yes. We have to go to, to get out of this. You need something new. Go find your old playbook that worked for the first 30 years of your career. Dust it off and say, what do we do in a normal market? Right. In a regular real estate market, without the world economy crashing, without millions of people dying because of a pandemic, what do we do? You're giving them great advice. I pray to God that they're taking it. All they need to do is talk to more people that we will get more listings. And the more listings we get, that will drive sales. It's not the mortgage rate, ladies and gentlemen. Now we can talk about how the mortgage rate is going to come down and why I think that, but it's that, that doesn't even matter. We need listings. Now, it, it, almost everyone, and I'd, I'd love to see what your, your, your things are, multiple, multiple offers are going through the roof. Yeah. There's pictures posted everywhere. Open houses, the line is around the corner and down the block. Yes. It's not mortgage rates. Get this out of your head. It, to some degree it is. All right? But if we had more listings, we'd sell more houses. Okay, so, so it, let's, it, it's, that's what we have to concentrate on right now. So let's stay, let's stay focused on that. So um, I've got about nine things I want to go through with you. But one of them is, how do we solve the inventory crisis and I think part of that is also, you know, seller, you know, seller psychology. You, you sort of mentioned, you know, nobody, nobody that's getting divorced is going to stay there. So we all know, you know, when circumstances change, right? Death, divorce, babies, all these things that, you know, life happens. I got a puppy. My wife's like, we're on the 39th floor. We should get a house. I'm like, that's an, that's a very expensive dog, honey. I'm like, I kind of yeah. like my apartment and I like being on the 39th floor. But, um, <laughs> probably the probably the biggest issue that I hear Steve every day is affordable housing. So is there is there a a path forward for affordable housing in the US? And if so, what is All right. it? All right. So I might get a whole lot of people that hate me right now, but the um I'm just trying to figure out how to word it. I know what I want to say. I'm just trying to figure out how to word it. I have been dedicated my whole life in reality. If you go to the, my real why yeah. is that almost every challenge we have in this country is poverty, poverty driven. Yeah. Crime is po poverty driven. Uh, education is poverty driven. Almost everything is poverty driven. And this is what I learned very early in my life. If you own a house, you have more net worth. Yeah. No matter what your income, no matter what your income is, no matter what your age is, it crosses everything. We have proof of that. We have all sorts of stats and data to prove that. So owning a house is crucially, crucially important. So my goal was, all right, let's go ahead and do what we can do within this industry to get more people into homes. Okay. Now, in answer to your question of affordability, because affordability comes in two different categories. One is there needs to be affordable housing for everyone. And that's more of... Um, you know, uh, a not a political, a government issue. That's more an issue of, well, in California, will they let ADUs exist? Yeah. Uh, in some cities, will they allow two and three family homes instead of single family homes to exist? 
And that's more of, you know, we have to get the right laws. We have to get the right thing. We have to worry about the NIMBYs. And we have to, most people are yelling about, hey, we should build more affordable housing. Say, as long as you don't build it in my backyard, I'm all for it. All right. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is to say, all right, fine. We have an affordability challenge right now for on the other side of that, not just affordability for anybody, just have a a home, a, a place to live like a home. But to buy a house, we have an affordability issue right now. The good news to that is what's taking place. I did say the prices are no longer going down, but it looks like they're going to turn out to be about flat this year. The KCM, we thought that we were going to be up 1% or down 2%, you know, somewhere in that range. That's what we called back in November. And I think that, that I'm so comfortable with that range, only to the high side. It's going to go up about 1%, 2%. All right. That means that wages have a chance to catch up with that. Okay. So we have wages have a chance to catch up, and that's already happening. We, you know, we have a new, you know, chief economist at, at NAR, the former senior economist at uh, Realtor.com came to join us. So he's, you know, dissecting all that data that I'm not smart enough to figure out. And he just showed me a graph that we'll share soon that wages have gone up over 50% from the 50-year norm. So now we got more people making money, and that's really good. But the issue is mortgage rate. Mortgage rate has a much bigger impact on the affordability than price does. So now, well, how can we control the mortgage rate, Steve? We can. We can. Because the mortgage rate is made up of two things. The mortgage rate of the 10-year treasury, which we have no control over. Jerome Powell's going to decide what that is. And right now it's coming down. But then there's a spread. There's between that and a number that makes the mortgage rate. What determines that spread? Three things. First thing is all other interest rates, all other interest rates. And we don't have any really control over that. The second thing is inflation. In times of inflation, the spread goes up. And the third thing is the strength of the housing market. We have absolute control over that. So one third of the formula that's causing the spread to be so high. And let me explain to you what that means in real terms. We grafted the spread for the last 50 something years. And it runs directly with the um, 10 year treasury with a spread of 1.72. Sometimes it goes up to two, sometimes it goes down to one and a half, but it's 1.72 is the 50 year average. Right now we're over three. We have the largest spread ever. Yeah. So we, what are we saying there? What we're saying is that if we can get the spread down by one point, we'd still be well over the, the 50 year average. That means interest rates go from six and a half percent to five and a half percent. Well, wait a second. Would that change the market? Talk about, you're talking about psychology. Oh, now I'm comfortable, even though I have a three and a half. I don't feel like a jerk taking a six and a half. Five and a half, I I got a deal. All right. So what do we have to do? Well, that one third of the equation that we do have absolute control over, we have to make sure that the housing market is strong. How do we do that? Stop. And and I'm not trying to insult anybody here. Stop bellyaching and go get a listing. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Stop bellyaching. You You want to make the housing market strong? Every listing you get right now is going to sell. So the strength of the market is going to take that piece of the equation out. Oh, but Steve, is that really going to lower at one point? 
Let's assume it lowers at a half a point. We go to 5.99. What is that going to do to the market? So this, this thing that, you know, people, it's all about inflation. We have no control. Baloney, we don't have control. We're the only ones in control. Yeah. Right. If you look but at the we, CPI numbers, go, go yeah, ahead, the CPI numbers are trending. We're going to be in the fours, right? By the time they report again, we're going to be in the fours. But we're also, Steve, going to be in a recession. And both those things equal lower interest rates. A recession means lower rates are going to come down. But I think yeah. I already have that baked in. Yep. You know, because when we talked about inflation, you know, the, the recession will be the result of bringing inflation down. So we'll eventually, if we had normal numbers right now, we'd actually be at a 5%, a little less than a 5% mortgage rate. Okay. I want to throw us, I, I want to just throw a challenge to my listener. I have a client, Jim Allen, who you probably know from uh, North Carolina, right? 40 year veteran of the business, been on my show. We, we talked about this strategy. I think you should go on the MLS today and whether it's Remine or any other sort of property data mining solution, and you should look for in your search query, show me every lot in a 20 mile radius circle that currently has an SFR on it, but it's zoned for two, zoned for three, zoned for four, zoned for five. And you should start marketing to every one of those properties with the intent to buy them. And before you say, Tom, I don't have the money. If you have the deal, the developers and the money is the easiest thing to get. But what we need to do, and this is what Jim does. He's like, Tom, I don't have an inventory problem. The only challenge I have is getting myself and my sales team out in our cars to go knock on the doors of people that have got a zone three sitting with an SFR on it. And we basically say, we'd like to buy your house. And then they tear it down and they build three houses on it. And now they've got three more listings to sell. So that's one strategy. The other right, thing. I, I, object, I object to that strategy. Tell me. Tell me, me why. How I object. I'm in North Carolina. Why'd you tell him instead of calling me and telling me to do that? Because that's a brilliant idea. So I object vehemently. <laughs> I was like, why are you objecting? Competition, that all that stuff, especially yeah. since he's from North Carolina. Ugh. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work and the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, and, and yes, if you go back to the podcast and you listen to Jim Allen, he's going to say to you, and then I partnered with a bunch of developers and then I became a developer because it's just, why would I make two and a half percent when I can make 12 or 13% and solve the biggest problem we have right now in the U.S., which is inventory. The second thing, and this is hard, Steve, I, you know, I don't know if I shared this with you. I was in Boston recently with my uncle Frank. The last day he was 99 right? The next day he turned hundred. He's the last survivor of the 101st airborne division, right? The last of those men that paratrooped in on D-Day and I mean, he's a hero. And I, I got, I got like goosebumps just thinking about it, right? Like sitting with him, the, the hard part is that if you look at population, the, the men and women that are in that sort of age group, that, that super silent generation, or they refer to them as the greatest generation, there's only like 1.25 million of them left, right? You go to the next part, the silent generation, and I don't want to misquote the number, you know, again, for my friends, maybe from Canada, around the world, or Mexico listening, we're, we're talking very U.S. here. It's, it's maybe four or five million people. 
right? Every single one of those people owns a house. And, and what I hate to even say it, Steve, but I'm making the argument right now that if you don't go into your marketplace and do some demographic research and say to yourself, show me every person that lives in a two-story house that's owned it for more than 30 years, there's a pretty good chance they don't have a mortgage on it, right? Two-story house, 30 years or more. If you aren't writing them yellow letter notes, if you are not knocking, but heads up, they're not on TikTok. They're, they're on Facebook, but they might go there once a week. But if you aren't compassionately, empathetically understanding that consumer situation, they are in a house, they've been there forever, they're tired, they don't know what to do with it. For the most part, Steve, in, in, in our research, what we're seeing is they're just, they're embarrassed to even reach out and talk to somebody about selling their house. So I would just, I would argue Steve's saying, you know, have more conversations, do more geography. And I agree with all of that because I say Steve, all the time, people, show me your last closing. Show me your last closing. They didn't start with a conversation and an appointment. So since those are the only two leading indicators of success, and if you're not having conversations every day and booking appointments every day, you're not even in the game. You are a part of the problem. You are a part of the problem. Now, I know you're one of my clients and you're listening to this. And you're like, Tom, you know, I'm doing that. I'm talking to that other gal, that other guy who's bitching about no inventory, conversations and appointments. But those two strategies, Steve, the smart agents today, big shout out to Maureen Fallon, the queen of queens, the number two, the number 14 broker in all of the boroughs. Get this. She's doing seller seminars and the median age of the people that are showing up are 65 years old. And Steve, get this. Two in January, takes February off. Two in March, two in April, 12 each time, whatever that number is, 60, 70, something, right? And she's like, yeah, I've already taken seven listings from that. She said, I started out by saying, here's the things you need to know. And then very quickly when it got to Q&A, she realized they wanted to ask a bunch of questions. She just flipped her entire presentation just to answer the questions that were on the minds of the customers, starting in New York, as you know, with the taxation once you sell the property. What does that look like? How do I transfer this over to my kids? She's answering all those questions, including what is the minimum you can do to fix your home up to get it ready to sell? And she's taken listings like this from it. There's so many ways to do it, but for the person listening, but if you're not willing to have conversations, book appointments, you're not even in the game. You are a part of the problem. That's a perfect example of what I love this business because I always tell agents, forget about the money. This is a beautiful business we're in. The more families we help, the more money we make. Bingo. So what she did is she turned it around and said, these people have challenges. They're, they're a little afraid. And by the way, Tom, the number of people who own the house free and clear, because you're talking about they probably don't have a mortgage. The number of people in this country that own the house free and clear is 38.7%. I just saw that. Almost sad. four out of 10 people own yep. the house free and clear. Yes. And then there's another 30% that have at least 50% equity. So there's a whole lot of equity out there. So yeah. when you have those calls, those people can make a move. And the, the mortgage rate's not going to matter as much because they have a lot of cash going into the next deal. So um, but that, going back to that situation, yeah. she figured out a way. Now, I'm sure the trigger of it was, how do I get more listings? How do I build my of business? Course. But she turned it into, how do I help more people? Bingo. Bingo. And if you help more people, then you get more deals. And if you get more deals, you make more money. So let's forget about the money right now. And just call people to help them. Yes. Help them yeah. understand that prices are not going to fall 20%, even though the last the last month or this month, 
the number went down from 37 to 32. It's like the second highest number of people thinking prices are going to fall. Prices right. are not going to crash this year. And we, but we have to let people know that because the mainstream public, again, they'll use a median price and things that they shouldn't do. All right. But I love the fact the code of ethics uh, that everyone swears to says we should help people. That's what that's about. Yes. So, you know, in the code of ethics and understand that everybody who's on this call is a realtor. This isn't like terms and conditions, like at the end of your phone thing where you click the button. Yeah, yeah, I read it. All right. And you never read it. You were forced to read it. In some states, you were forced to take a class and pass a test on it. All right. And so you now you have a code of ethics. The word responsibility appears 16 times in the code of ethics. The word duty appears 31 times in the code of ethics. So this is a document that you put your first name to, then put your family name to, saying, yes, I'm going to do that. Well, here, let's do something simple. Let's do what we swore that we were going to do. Bingo. 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 All right, Steve, I'm going to hit you with a bunch of rapid fire questions. And I just want My some rapid. Color is blue. <laughs> B, <laughs> B. All right. So you ready? Uh, yep. First thing I want to know is, uh, this is a rapid fire question. You ready? So I'm looking for a rapid fire answer. What do you sure. think is going to happen between the NAR lawsuits coming up in October? What's your prediction? Uh I think that whatever's going to happen is going to happen and we have to forget about it until it happens and go back to work. I think it's the biggest distraction in the history of our industry and it's going to work out because it's going to work out. All right. And whatever way it works out, we're going to adapt to it, especially if they're a client of yours, because you are the best at helping them adapt to any change. Yeah, but right probably. now, let's not worry about what might happen because Mars might attack us in between that and kill everyone on Earth. Yes. So there's a lot of things that could happen before that. I think let's we need right to just now worry about what we can control. We need to make sure that we somehow tag Joe Rogan and Elon Musk in that segment right there about Mars. Okay, next, next one. one. Biden's mortgage plan to help bad credit buyers, but somehow hurt the ones that have good credit. I I think they just yanked that. Yeah, I heard I, that. I, I heard I, that I'm yesterday. Not, Is it confirmed? Yeah, I I think they yanked it. I don't like to discuss legislation before it comes law because most times it doesn't. Right, and that's that's an example of that. Love it. All right, Fed predictions and Lawrence Yun's comments around them. Uh, if you talk about Lawrence Yun saying they made a big mistake, yep. I don't know that I disagree with him. Um, I do think we have to get inflation under control. I don't think that, that Jerome Powell has an easy job. I think that's a very difficult job. But again, that's that's a piece of our industry, and it's it's a big piece. I'm not arguing that, but I'm a very big believer in let's control what we can control. And let's not. So I'm glad that Lawrence stepped up. I'm glad he went to the podium. It's not his style to be controversial. It's not his style to be contrarian. So I was glad to see that he did that. I don't disagree with him. But again, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about what Jerome Powell's doing because we don't really going to have a lot of control over that. Exactly. What we do have control over is that piece of the puzzle, the piece of the equation that if the housing market's strong, mortgage rates, the spread goes down, let's make the housing market strong. That's what we can control. But you're right. Inflation's going down. Uh, more rates then will come down. So all those other two components are already heading in the right direction. But let's just concentrate on what we control instead of complaining about somebody's not doing a good job or what they can control. Because if we're complaining about they not doing a good job, what they're controlling, that means we're not controlling what we can control because we're being distracted. Bingo. God, I love you. 
in 2019, you and I were together in January or February. It was the last video uh, of you and I kind of live together at an event. And the stock market had just had a massive hiccup. And even though it had improved by three or 400 points by, you know, Wednesday from Monday, um, you know, I'm, I know we, we're all historians here. So go back to, you know, go back to early 2019. You made a comment from the stage then. You said, we're going into a recession. Everybody's talking about it. We don't know what it's going to be, but you and I both remember it was something around, I think, nine or 10 when you asked every economist why we were going. What was the cause of the recession? It was like, you know, number nine or 10 was real estate. It, was, it wasn't even on their radar. But was, what was on their radar was things like a war, was the stock market. You know, it was all these, you know, uh, I think it was like things like, uh, you know, trade around the world. It was all these factors. So we're going into a recession now. I want to know kind of two-part question. Why are we going into it? And then what's the playbook in your opinion? All right. Well, there's a couple of things on that. There are some out there that don't think that we're actually going to hit a recession. And there are some out there saying we've already technically hit the definition of a recession. There's always been the definition for 50 years. Now they're changing the definition. So the word recession is an interesting thing. Mark Zandy's out there saying, no, I don't think we're going to actually do that. There's going to be a soft landing. Well, there's going to be, there's not going to be a crash. The plane's not going to crash. That we know. So whether there's going to be a soft landing and, or whether there's going to be um, um, a, a more bumpy landing, uh, it's the plane's going to land. So what, again, that I will keep on reiterating is the fact that the um, uh, we, we have to control what we can control. So let's talk about a recession and let's talk about how bad the recession is. I'm going to quote uh, Dave Duncan, who is the, the, I think he's the chief economist at Fannie Mae. Uh, and I sometimes get the names because maybe it's Freddie Mac, I'm the, but his name is Dave Duncan. He just came out in a paper saying that the thing that is going to help or assure a soft landing is the fact that he can't believe how resilient the, the housing market has been. Yes. So there is a time in, you know, actually 2008 where the housing market caused a recession and prices dropped pretty dramatically. Every other time the housing market took us out of the recession and prices actually increased dramatically over normal appreciation during those recessions. And people say, well, how could that be? A recession, prices are going to go down. So no, 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 no. Because during a recession, as you've already said, the, the mortgage rate goes down and that allows more people to buy a house. So actually we sell more houses, not less houses. Some people are knocked out of it because they lost their job. Heaven forbid they lose their job. And, and I feel for those families. But there's another group of people that if the unemployment rate, first of all, the unemployment rate, historically over the last 100 years is 5.73%. So we're at 3.5 at historical low. So even if we went to five, we haven't reached the norm. <laughs> so, and I would feel for every one of those people who lost their job. I'm not trying to diminish the, the, the impact it's going to have on those people. But it's also going to allow a whole bunch of people that are saying, I can't afford a course of mortgage rates, now be able to afford a house. So for our industry, we're going to help them come out of that. What's going to cause the inflation? What's going to cause the recession? I don't want to get into like political theater here, but, you know, in 2008, we didn't do enough to help the American people. Right. And, and devastation hit, and it took us six years to get out of that. Um, Americans felt that. The government felt that. So when 2020 happened, when the pandemic happened, 
We let the pendulum swing too far the other way. And we just gave money galore to anyone that wanted to have money. They got tremendous. I mean, I could tell you personal stories of my family, what I'm saying. And you took that money. You should be ashamed of yourself. All right. The uh, so they were just pumping money out because they they wanted to save the American economy and the whole thing. And that caused inflation. And now we have to balance it out. Like you were talking before about Austin. Well, if your prices went up 700 percent and now they're going down 2 percent, shut up and be quiet. All right. You don't have to worry about that. So, Steve, I yeah, I love it. All right. So. Here's what I'm thinking. Don't you think that every agent listening right now needs to know the population numbers? Right. Is, is the population increasing or decreasing in the market that you're in, in the country that you're in, in the state that you're in, wherever you are in the world, province, et cetera? Are people moving in or people moving out? Right. I think that that key number I keep I keep going back to you, Steve. Two books, uh, The Fourth Turning, right, by William Strauss, right, published in like 1997. that just talks about cycles, right, cycles and cycles and cycles and cycles and the four, you know, the four turnings. And the other book I'm obsessed with is the end of the world is just the beginning. Kind of a kind of a scary headline title, but the whole concept is let's look back over 2000 years and really what it's about Steve is one thing, population. The reason why China's in trouble with the 71, you know, one child policy, the reason why Japan is already destroyed because people aren't getting married and they're not having kids. The number I keep going back to is 2.2 kids per household keeps the population growing and population drives real estate cycles drive real estate. So I think they should know population growth. I also think every person listening should go back through whether it's remind or any other data mining solution to figure out of the, of the number of homes in my marketplace, how many homes have no, no debt at all, hundred percent, no mortgage. How many of them have I don't know, 50% equity sitting inside their property. You need to know these numbers. So when people say the world's falling apart, you could say, mm, I think somebody with like 80%, you know, equity is not going to foreclose. I think they would just put their home in the market as an example, even if they, the worst case, we all knock on wood, somebody loses their job. But the other one is to really understand that circumstances change every single day. And if you aren't putting out good content, good information, being the knowledge broker, and that does not mean, in my opinion, Steve, going, hey, guys, and blah, 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 blah. But no, like, circumstances change every single day. Here's what's going on in the market. Here's what you need to know. And, and KCM does this. But those are the three things I'm hearing you say over and over again, along with number four, make your phone calls and book more appointments. Yeah, the... Going back just for a second, the demographics are crucially important. The migration rates in and out of your state or in and out of your your your, uh, your particular county are very important. Uh, what really drives real estate is household formations. And very obviously, what you want to do, that not only if you can dissect it down to um, not just the migration rate or just the population growth, but what ages of the population, you know, like, are they, you know, first-time homebuyer age groups that are moving in and moving out. And right. I agree with you, you should dissect that data. But this is what I will tell you on that. All right. I think that there should be a, a, a scheduled time in your day that you, let's assume that that's a big thing. Whatever the big thing for you to do to, to research, whether it be, you know, houses that are single family that are on, you know, uh, lots that allow three families whether it's the population growth or, or the, the migration rates in and outside of your city. 
you whatever it is that you're going to spend a lot of time like really trying to understand, take an hour of your day to become a specialist in it. Because a class, you know, a college class or college degree, you need 120 hours. If you took an hour a day and you did that Monday through Friday, that's 250 hours by the end of the year on that subject. You will become an expert at that subject. You will have a PhD. You will have put in the hours of a PhD on that subject. Now, here's the challenge to that. You're just as disciplined as you have to be that you get up every morning and call 10 people and say things aren't as bad as they want, that you think they are. Let me explain it to you. Perfect example. You talked about the, the equity. We put together a great slide showing that so many people have so much equity. Right. That, when I put that on, on, on Twitter, it got almost 100,000 views, yep. which is like through yep. the roof for me. I only got 3,000 followers, and I got 100,000 views. So that means it just kept on getting pumped out, pumped out, pumped right. out. Right. So people didn't know that. People don't know the equity. So I, I, I want you to do that. All right. But make that like an hour of your time. Because what sometimes happens when you're confused as to what to do, you almost make busy work. No, you have to be as disciplined. I don't know if you have to be as disciplined as Tom, because I think he's like a little bit crazy. But the uh, he, he, you know, every morning he's waking up at this time, he's at the gym, he's posting us from the gym, he's getting shots in his head. I, I don't know if you have to be that <laughs> disciplined. All right. But you have to be disciplined enough to know that there is prospecting time that I have to prospect. And there's research time after research. And I can tell you from, from KCM members, sometimes we have to tell a KCM member, no, your job is not to be a research analyst. Yes. Your job is to go get a listing. All yes. right. So I want you to do the research. But if you just take a half hour a day, not even an hour, and just say that half hour I'm going to dedicate to making sure I understand this topic really well. By the end of the year, you're going to have at least a master's degree in that subject. That's how many hours you put into it. All right. But the first thing when you start your day, when a day clicks for you, it's, you know, much earlier than for many. But if the day clicks at nine o'clock for your work day, you sit down at your desk. The first thing you have to do is call 10 people and say, hey, guys, I know the Wall Street Journal came out yesterday saying one third of the country. They put a headline, one third of the country lost value in the first quarter. And I want you to understand two things. The first thing I want you to understand, that means two thirds of the country went up in value. Yes. They didn't say that because that doesn't that doesn't carry. And the second thing I want you to understand, and I want to spend the time on this, it's not going to be a quick, that quick an answer, median price. Agents have to understand that when not reports the report on median price, let me give you an example of that. You have two dimes and a nickel in your pocket. You put them out on the table, nickel, dime, dime. The median price is the middle one. It's not the, even the average. It's not what they were. It's the middle yeah. one. So yeah. if you have two dimes and a nickel, what's the median price of the coins in your pocket? Seven Ten cents. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, you're right. It's exactly. the middle I, one. I, I, yep, I it's 10 that. cents. Yes, thank you. Now, let's assume you have two nickels and a dime in your pocket. Nickel, nickel, dime. What's the, the median value of the coins in your pocket? A nickel. It's the middle one. That's what NAR reports on. And if you have those coins in your pocket, the nickel is not worth more or less money. The dime's not worth the, the houses. You have to do the repeat sales indexes. NARS always done the uh, the median price. Of course, in a normalized, regular, cycled market, it's pretty close. In this market, it's not. Yes. And NAR, in their own methodology, the last line is, if the cohort, meaning the types of houses that are selling, is changing, and we know the less expensive houses are selling more now, so the co cohort is changing. If we're in a market where the cohort is changing, the median price is useless in their own Methodology, they tell you, don't use median price right now. 
Yes. But people still, because it's easy to get, it, it's they don't an have easy to really work to get the number. It's a simple yeah. number to understand. Yeah. Guys, if you have two dimes and a nickel, the median price is 10 cents. If you have two nickels and a dime, it's five cents. It did not change the value of any coin in your pocket. The median sales price does not change the value of any house in this country. Yes. But they like to tell you, what's well, down 12%. No, that doesn't mean that houses lost 12%. That means we're selling less expensive houses. But your client, the one I'm asking you to call, is reading that houses are down 12%. Because they don't have, they're not nuanced enough to know the difference between median price and real price. Yes. But you have to be. And you have to call them and let them know that. So if you say, well, what do I say to them? There's enough negative headlines that come out every day. Read it. Understand what it really means. And get on the phone and say, the Wall Street Journal said this yesterday. I just want to let you know they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yes. And you might say a little, a little smoother than me. I know. I like the I like the Long Island. You know, just they don't know what the hell they're talking about. All right. So, Steve, Steve, uh, listen to this campaign that we started running. So, so last year it was CMA a day. And we'd say, actually build a CMA. Send it to the client. You know, like your, like your stock person would send you, here's your portfolio update, right? So we're like, just send them a CMA and then follow up the phone call. And that response was unbelievable last year, right? Even as, even as the world was falling apart on the second half of the year because of interest rates and everything else and, you know, consumer, you know, sort of panic. But this year, you know what's killing it? Taking a screenshot of their home on Zillow, just a screenshot, texting it to them, texting it to them and saying, hey, Steve. I was thinking about you and Kathy today. I was on Zillow. What do you think about this price? I've got my opinion. Question mark. Send. Oh, that's brilliant. It, that is you, brilliant. No, so so you as a marketeer. I'm stealing that one. I'm so oh, I'm stealing that one. You know what? You know what brilliant. happens? Easiest way to have a conversation with a past client, someone you haven't talked to in a while. Easiest way to talk to a lead. Easiest way to follow up with you know uh, a person that says they want to sell their house in two years. Every single person in your database, this is the argument I made yesterday on Twitter. We don't have an inventory problem. You have an inventory problem. The person watching right now, you've got an inventory problem. And the only way you solve that is conversations and appointments. And the easiest way to generate a meaningful conversation with someone in your phone, the 863 people that you never reach out to in your phone, is to send them their home's value on Zillow. Now, someone's going to say, well, but that price is wrong. I should send them something from RPR or I should send them like a CMA. The point is the price is wrong. The point is the price is wrong. You send them the wrong price and you say, I've got my opinion. What do you think? And Steve, I have a client who sent like 500 of those last year listed 21 properties. Yeah. It, it, what we keep on saying, and some of this thing is ingenious, and that's why I love how closely embedded we are with, with Tom Ferry, because the, you know, no matter what market we're in, he's giving you exactly what you need to do. All right. Um, what I try to do maybe a little differently and say, you have a moral, moral obligation to do what he's telling you to do. Responsibility. Tom and duty. Hold your yeah. feet to the fire and saying that you're a bad person if you don't do this. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cause it might sound salesy or something, but I don't have any problem with that. I'll hold your feet to the fire. You swore in a document with your family name that you signed to it that you were going to do the right thing by these families. Tom is giving you ways to help these families make better informed decisions. Not out of fear, not out of the fear of a headline, not of misinformation or disinformation because somebody has an agenda they're trying to push forward in their particular paper. 
All right. Give them the real truth and then sit and talk with them. Tom will give you all the ways. That way was brilliant. I love that. He'll give you all the ways to do it. And that's why we align with Tom. There's a reason. I'm not trying to give Tom a commercial here. I'm trying to say, listen to him. <laughs> all right. There's a reason Tom is the number one coach for like eternity now. Like it's, I don't even remember the last time. I don't, I don't know if there was ever a time he wasn't the number one coach. And that's because he's given you great advice. And the last thing I'll say to all of this, there are some gurus out there right now telling you, well, you got to cut expenses and cut this and don't go to that conference and, 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 you know, don't, no, no, please, please. Leaders, when the last thing you want to do is disappear when your client needs you the most. Don't do that. This is when they need you the most, where they're going to, all the credibility you've built over the last couple of years, this is your time to cash in on that credibility. If you disappear, if you just say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to this guy and cut my expenses. No, because there's a major harvest coming in about six months and you ain't going to get any of that harvest if you do that. Leaders in times of trouble, leaders don't run for cover. They dig in and help. But there's so many people say, well, I was going to go to this conference. I'm not, I said, no, no, no. What are you doing? No. Let your competition decide they're no longer in the business. Right. You shouldn't make that decision. All right. And Tom's helping you through that process. And I just wanted to give you that piece, not just about Tom Covered, whatever you're going to plan to do. Right. If you're going to plan to upgrade your your marketing, this is the perfect time to do it. Right. There's that very famous Bain, uh, Bain and Company uh, slide. Jason Pantana shared it. We, you know, I think you and I were tweeting back and forth about it. And then somebody else said, Hey, I've got it. And they posted it. He sent me it and I read it and it was fantastic. And here's all it says, my friends. It says in the, in the history of business, during a recession, during challenging times, companies that stop marketing, that stop putting their voice out, that hide, that duck and cover, never recover. But the ones that continue have 14, 15, 16% lifts in their business. And then when the market turns, it gets even better. So the argument now is, I'm going to say this, Steve, and we probably should have said in the very beginning. If you haven't gone to trykcm.com, trykcm.com, go forward slash Tom Ferry, you'll see... David Childers and I and a whole bunch of slides that they're pumping out, including many of the things we talked about today, the equity report across the country. TryKCM.com forward slash Tom Ferry. Check that out. There's so much there. Steve, two last questions. Easy one. Blue. Are you My like, favorite color is blue. <laughs> blue. Are you like John Wick? Are you back? Yeah. Uh, there's a famous scene in the first John Wick movie where – People are constantly saying, you're back. He's going, no, no, because he retired from his role as this assassin. And then finally, they get him some, they kill his dog and, and, and they steal his car. And finally, they get him into a point that they, he's on one knee. And, and the villain of the movie says, well, John, you know, why do you think you're back? You think you're back? And he looks up and he just says, everyone keeps on asking me if I'm back. And you know what? I'm thinking I'm back. And I love that clip. All right. And that's exactly how I feel right now. I'm thinking I back. I, I missed the business. I thought I could like kind of drift off into the sunset and, 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 but that this is in me. I, I, you know, I'm not in the real estate business. The real estate business is in me. Uh, it, it, we've talked about poverty when you're talking about affordability, we're talking about all those things. We have some control over that. We have control over helping people get into a home. We have helping people building their investment by some of the great things that Tom's even talking about investing in, in different pro- types of property. Let, let's use that power that we have 
to help as many families as we possibly can. And I'll go back to maybe the main reason we should do that is because we swore we would. Yeah. We gave our word we would. So let's just stick to that word and say every day when you, you, I don't really feel like making 10 calls right now. You put your family's name to a piece of paper saying you would do the duties and handle the responsibilities of your job. And one of those duties right now is to get the right message out to the market, whichever way you decide to do it. I'm not asking my second question. Duty and responsibility. Steve Harney, I love you. I appreciate you always. You've always been a mentor and a friend. Thank you for being back. And thank you for being on this podcast and sharing with so many people. Make sure you're following this guy on Twitter at Steve Harney. Steve, closing thoughts? The only thing I was going to say is you're thanking me. It was an honor to be on this call. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, if there's one thing I can say to you is there is a harvest coming, a major harvest coming in just a couple of months. This isn't going to be a six-year thing. This is not. By the end of this year, mortgage rates are going to be in a much better place. Uh, the economy is going to be in a much better place. Inflation is going to be in a much better place. And if we go out and get the listings, your pocketbook is going to be in a much better place. But don't think about that. Think about that family that's getting you the commission. Forget about the commission. We live in a great business. If we help more families, we make more money. If we help a lot of families, we make a small fortune. All right. So just worry about helping the people and we'll be fine. And again, you have a responsibility and a duty to do that just in case you didn't realize that. Man, I love that. Hashtag responsibility and duty. All right, Steve, thank you so much for my friend watching. If there's a friend or two you think you need to share this with, that would mean the world to me. Uh, Continue to make comments. I appreciate you always uh, being a listener, being a watcher, being a part of our ecosystem. So, all right responsibility and duty. Let's get to work. Let's go have some conversations, make some appointments and go help more people buy and sell real estate. We'll see you on the next podcast. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.